This is the president. Mr. President, we have a situation. He was trained to kill. CIA, FBI, DEA all rolled up in the war. Then left for dead. I know what they did to your family. And now he's back. Machete. For his most dangerous mission yet. We need you, Machete. Revolutionary assault in the bar. He's got a missile aimed at Washington. No, I had his art. I got mine. Machete, go kick some ass. I'll be your handler. You ready for this? Good for calls, texts, tweets. Watch it, they don't tweet. The enemy may have a missile, but we have Machete. Machete kills. That's what he does. You can't beat my army of super soldiers. Bring me my double Ds. Hook her up, lover boy. You've seen my face. Muy bien, indeed. I smell fish taco. <laughs> Machete! Let's do this. You can't beat me. No! Because I know your every move. Nobody knows Machete. Machete kills. Damn, you're good. Hey everyone, it's that time. Time to head down the stairs behind the movie screen and join the crew. We are film critics, directors, actors, and cinephiles, all gathering to talk about what we love the most, the movies. So join us as we celebrate 10 years on this Mr. Toad's wild ride. Grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and stay a while in the place where the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies in... The Spoiler Room. And we are live. Here we are once again, everyone. The it's the penultimate, the penultimate month of our uh, perfect ten series. Uh, it, it, we've got one more month. We've actually got two films and one more month. Don't ask me how I ended up that way. <laughs> I I can't count. Okay, <laughs> I can't count. Uh, maybe maybe we'll just flip a coin for what is the one for December, or we'll do them both. I don't know. The challenge, Mark, is to find a theme that connects both movies, that, and then you just have to program two. That yeah. could connect both movies, yeah. Finding a theme that'll connect both movies, which actually is it would be that hard considering it's Oculus and Carrie. So those are the hmm. last two films that we have uh, <laughs> to to that we didn't end up. We were spinning the wheel of random, and those two did not come up. And those are the last two. The Carrie remake, that is. Right. Okay. So. Uh, the theme is they're all gonna look at you. Mm. <laughs> we could do. We could do that. We could do something with uh, 
with mirrors, with staring, with well, look, I'll figure something out. But but there won't be any wheel of random tonight because we only have those two films. So maybe I'll just do the flip of the coin, maybe, or we'll do both of them. I don't know. This is how I plan things. See, this is how professional I am. This is how I plan things. <laughs> Regardless of that, thank you all for joining us once again, my 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 listeners out there from all different countries. In that they're doing the whole summary thing now on Spotify, so you get your year in review type of summary thing, and you get to see. So they're compiling data, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, but I've looked at some of the analytics, and we have we have some folks that are in, in various countries that listen to our show. Surprisingly, I, awesome. I that's so that's awesome. So not a lot of people, but small but mighty is our theme here. And tonight, though, this month our theme was Killing It Month because we surrounded it about around this film, the Perfect Ten film, 2013's. Machete Kills, Robert Rodriguez's Machete Kills. And with me tonight, you heard his dulcet tones already, the man who keeps coming back for more. He warned me about his feelings on this film, so it could be a very interesting conversation tonight. It is none other than the one, the only man, myth, the legend himself, Mr. Ian Simmons. Hello, Ian. Hello. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm doing good. Looking forward to this conversation because I, I literally finished rewatching Machete Kills today because I actually last night after we did the Patreon, which uh, folks check it out. We did an episode on Thanksgiving. Uh, you're going to want to check that out, which was based off of a faux trailer. I watched the other movie based off of the faux trailer, Machete, before I watched Machete Kills, which is a sequel to a film that was based off of a faux trailer from the Grindhouse double feature, just like Thanksgiving was... Well, they didn't wait 17 years to make Machete. They waited three years, and three years after that comes Machete Kills. So thank you for venturing down the stairs, pulling up your chair as we pop our favorite drink and talk movie spoilers. So a nice kicky the seat mug there. Thank you. It was uh, it was a a gift from my father-in-law. Oh, very very cool. Very yeah. cool. So tonight, yes, it is that sequel. A sequel that people while it was teased, you never know with these films, especially back in the day, whether or not it was going to be teased if you were actually going to get that film or not because, you know, they were playing to that grindhouse approach to the films but we do get a sequel to machete machete kills and ian what's the synopsis for machete kills well machete is back (laughs) (laughs) and Um. we'll we'll leave it at that machete is back and and end scene there you go (laughs) he's everybody's favorite badass knife wielding federale uh, who, when the movie opens, he and Jessica Alba are doing like the secret agent thing. Um, there's, I honestly don't remember what the hell they were doing out in the desert, but it was like well, weapons they were, and it was weapons National Guard be, or something. Yeah, the National Guard were selling weapons to the cartel, and so they were out right. there. They were going to bust the National Guard before the cartel got to them. But then the cartel shows up, and the uh, Jessica Alba's character gets shot in the head, and Machete is on the ground mourning her and then all of a sudden a mysterious uh, luchador guy in a suit shows up and almost kills machete but then he leaves and uh, the, but the, the main plot of the movie because this this story becomes important later on in the film but the thrust of the movie is machete must get, he's recruited by the president of the united states played by carlos estevez, carlos estevez. 
aka Charlie Sheen. That was his birth name. That was that was great. Um, he uh, wants to get this guy who's like the the a charismatic leader in Mexico who's gone off his rocker. Uh, he's turned his back on the cartels and everybody's mad at him. And he's got this Tony Stark like looking device that's on his chest that's related to a super weapon. Honestly, I forgot most of the details of this movie, which is unfortunate because I just watched it yesterday. Um, but then again, my memory is Swiss cheese because point of order, I went back and I read my written review of this movie from 2013 uh -huh. to see if how I felt then, how I feel now. I had completely forgotten the context in which I saw Machete Kills. Ooh. Robert Rodriguez and Alexa Vega showed up for a post-screening Q&A that I sat through. No shit. I, <laughs> I forgot about it until I was reading. I was like, wow, that sounds cool. And that really happened. Um, <laughs> Man, I wish I but, could remember that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I opened it by saying, I hesitate to call Machete Kills the worst film of the year, but it tops my most depressing list for sure. Um, I watched it again yesterday as i mentioned i still don't like it i think it's got a lot of problems and it doesn't live up to the grindhouse trailer promise mm. but it's all right you know <laughs> I, I don't know that i'll ever watch it again mm -hmm. but i wasn't as mad at it this time possibly because i just watched thanksgiving i'm like you know we have the promise <laughs> of that movie trailer has been fully realized mm. so I, i'll forgive a lot of stuff what did you think of the first machete, though? Did you enjoy the first machete, or were you kind of like no. the same? No, you're kind of on the same foot. I, because I went back and I read my review of the first machete because I remember nothing about that movie. Sure, sure. Um, so even even reading my own writings on it, it was as if someone that I barely knew had told me about a movie <laughs> that I'd never seen. Um, but I, I remember liking it, the first part of it, and then it just becomes a bad kind of action movie. It's it works really well as a two minute trailer, but then unless you commit to making something that is steeped in that kind of aesthetic, I'm saying this uh, with the asterisk of forget about Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving actually pulled it off, setting it in modern day. Yeah. But with something like Machete, it really does need to be a down and dirty 1970s kind of aesthetic mm. thing. But they just made it a 2010 and then a 2013 movie. And it's like, well, it's just a bad action movie directed by a guy who used to make really interesting down and dirty action movies. And then he kind of became a parody of himself. I think I blame spy kids. <laughs> he blames spy kids, which I think he has one of the spy kids in here. Actually, I think. Doesn't yeah. He? Alexa Vega. Yeah. yeah. Alexa mm -hmm. Vega. She shows all up grown up, here. <laughs> all, all grown up in this one. Um, it's funny because I've been doing this long enough, much, much like you to where I went back and looked at my two final cuts that I did. I did the review of Machete in 2010 because I was I was doing it way back then. And then uh, the 2013. And what's funny is watching it, uh, the Machete just spoke to me. It was, it was a Mark movie, so I, I dug it quite a bit. I gave it four out of five. Didn't give it five, but I gave it four out of five. And then I gave this one three and a half out of five. And in all honesty, maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. But watching them back to back, I actually enjoyed Machete Kills now a little more than the first film. Uh, there, it's got, I mean, it's a bonkers movie. I think the problem is 
that Machete takes a backseat in his own film. He's filled in in the, in the mm -hmm. sequel. There are so many side characters, and they're all strange and weird. And they can. It's almost like this movie is what you see in like comic book movies sometimes. Well, they'll introduce like seven new characters because there's going to be seven movies featuring these characters later on. And this is just the excuse to get them on screen together. Um, but that said, we've got the chameleon character played by Walt Goggins, then Cuba Gooding Jr., then Lady Gaga. All, you know, pretty great stuff. Um, but I don't know. There's there's way too much going on here. And I don't know. It doesn't. I think my biggest problem and it's something that I really noticed this time. Hmm. We open with the fake trailer for Machete Kills Again, again in, in space. space. Yes. Huge mistake. That should have been a surprise for the end of the movie because they right. just show it, a version of it, again at the end of the movie. Right. Right? Maybe it's maybe they put that there because they realized the opening that they didn't that they did have with this National Guard cartel bust wasn't nearly as over the top and crazy a way to open the movie as they should have had because the the machete kills again in space trailer is effective because it's so weird and big and gargantuan that when you cut to that desert scene is like what the hell is this could be any generic action movie <laughs> you know well see and i i liked that they put it at the beginning of the film and then you're like oh okay we're getting that how do we get from where we're at to there and i liked that journey uh, for me, I didn't think they needed to reiterate it again at the end, though. I think that was... And the thing is, I was trying to remember the film in the theater, and I'm trying to remember if they actually did put that in the beginning or not. They did. did they? Okay. I, yeah. I couldn't remember offhand if they actually did put that in the beginning or not. So uh, so I, I liked that, that they put that there, and you get the setup to see how it comes. And it makes for a really fun third act for me to see how all the pieces fall into place and how this plot grows with Vox and, and how you can see where they're going of how they're going to get to space. I didn't need to necessarily see the trailer again at the end, basically. Um, but I, I liked seeing to where it was going. I, I, I liked well, it. It kind of came, you know, around and I liked that. Well, I think, I think that the problem is, I mean, for me is that I didn't draw any connection between machete kills again in space and machete kills mm, it, it, right. aside from the title for me i'm like oh they're just this is just a random cutesy trailer sure but then they try and work it into like oh they're actually going to space and so by the time i get to the end of it i'm like it's like telling the punchline before the setup of a joke <laughs> right i think if if they yeah. wanted to do something special what mm -hmm. they should have had was the trailer just be machete in space right and then you open machete kills with him getting back from space or something and commenting like <clears throat> wasn't that a weird adventure so there's like a whole other movie oh, yeah. that we weren't privy to like it was <laughs> sure. so bad that it was yeah. unreleased <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah yeah i could see that that would have been a nice nice angle to take it but you know i i guess for me i this appeals to the to the guy and me and, and i i enjoyed watching it back to back though i enjoyed machete kills because i think what worked for me a little better this time, both films are in my wheelhouse. I, I dig both of them, okay? I, I still stand by my four stubs for the first one. I would actually rate this one higher, probably yeah. even with the first one at, at four stubs now versus three and a half of what I gave it before. And like I said, maybe it's because I've watched so much in between, but as far as the story goes, this has a far 
more solid premise, I think, than the first film. Uh, it, it doesn't feel... Because the first film had to include those scenes. It's kind of like what they ran into Thanksgiving, but the way Eli Roth does it is more natural in Thanksgiving <laughs> than it was in the first Machete film to where it feels like, okay, you're just waiting for when's this going to get to this scene because you had that in the trailer and they were kind of held to that. So if yeah. they hadn't shown the scenes in the trail that they had in the trailer, you know, it, it, in Machete, they would have really had, you know, people going, well, what the hell? You know, Thanksgiving, 16 years later, people are a little more forgiving if you don't have all the scenes exactly like you did in the trailer, though most of them are there, as we discussed. Uh, but I think this one, following up three three years, you know, just three years after Grindhouse, I think that that kind of stunted it a bit for where they could have gone with it uh, with that first film. And so this one... They have a bit more freedom. It has a bit more of the spy film with with the extra grindhouse angle to it, or you know, the kind of almost like a James Bond, uh, a Mexican James Bond of sorts. Um, and I, I guess the big appeal to me is I love seeing Danny Tre Trejo get a lot of screen time because most of the roles that he had been in for a lot of it, he, he was a minor character. He was he was kind you know he, supporting character whatnot and. I think, you know, you're right. He could use with more screen time, but he still gets a lot in here, I think, for the series, for, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, he, he has that, I'm not going to call him charismatic, but he definitely has that it factor. Um, you know, he is an iconic, he's one of the few actors who's iconic just by showing up. Yeah, um, <laughs> he is. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it's, by the time we get to Mel Gibson playing <laughs> Vaz, who's the, uh, it's it's strange watching the movie now in 2023 because right? I'm like this is he's sort of an almost an Elon Musk type character mm -hmm. and then they make a reference to the SpaceX rocket and then Elon Musk shows up in a cameo at the end of the movie I'm like this is this is meta almost like psychic meta like projecting <laughs> forward from 2013 it's great but I feel like this movie is getting further and further away from what it was supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Because if this is a true grindhouse fashion, I have no problem with doing a grindhouse 19, like science fiction kind sure, of aesthetic. Yeah. But I want to see like cheap costumes, cheap, mm -hmm. bad special effects, you know, right. bad rocketry and all this other stuff. But it looks, it all looks really good and state of the art for 2013. So at that point, I'm just like, well, this just, it's just coming off as a bad movie. Not a fun bad movie, just mm. a generic bad movie that you might have, you know, mistakenly rented from the video store in 1992. <laughs> and see, I guess I found more appeal in it. I, I the one, the, the character that I really enjoyed in this, who I kind of forgot about uh, going into the film, was the guy who uh, Machete has to keep alive because the story goes mm -hmm. with this, folks, is that. Machete is sent by the president to kill this guy because he wants the U.S. to come in and wipe out the cartel. And if they don't, in this twisted logic that this guy has, he's going to nuke D.C. and cause a basically, you know, and, and once the missile hits D.C., then you're going to kind of have this chaos, world chaos going on. So he wants the U.S. to help intervene, take down the wall that they initially built up and and 
take out the cartel and, of course, international things or whatnot. So they send Machete to kill this guy, but then Machete can't kill him because he's got a device on his chest that's linked to the rocket. So if he dies, the rocket goes off and, and nukes the world. Uh, so it becomes this kind of uh, Midnight Run-esque type film to where he's got to escort him out of Mexico and keep him alive. And, of course, hijinks ensue. And it doesn't help that our bad guy, Mendez, has uh, got a split personality. And he's played by uh, Damien uh, Bichir, who puts a wonderful performance in, I think. Oh, he's, I mean, he's a great actor, period. Yeah. And I, I appreciated more what he was doing now than the first time I watched sure, it. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got some great caliber actors in here. Uh, you know, this is a controversial opinion, mm-hmm. but, you know, I had forgotten so much about this movie that Amber Heard is one of right. the main characters, like a, one of the main villains. And say what you want about her personally. And, you know, I, I do find her a lot of the stuff that she was accused of doing reprehensible. But I've always loved her as an actress mm-hmm. from, um, oh, my God, all the boys love Mandy Lane. Right. That even that that weird John Carpenter Asylum, you know, insane asylum movie she did. <laughs> but here I think she's just superb mm-hmm. because she's sexy, she's devious, she's yeah. nasty, and she can fight. Um, you know, or you know, stage fight or whatever. She's very convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's so weird to go back and see, oh, that's right. She used to be someone besides Johnny Depp's psycho ex-girlfriend. <laughs> she was. She was. She was actually very good. at, And in fact, everybody puts in a solid performance. I remember when it was a big deal because I, and this is how time just escapes you when you get a little older. I forgot just how long Lady Gaga's actually been around and in our pop culture and such. You know, and she, I forgot she was in this playing the chameleon character, one of them. Uh, and I remember the big kind of controversy. Oh, Lady Gaga, the pop star, she's in, the, in here. And she doesn't have a whole lot of time, but when she does, she makes the most of it. I loved the chameleon character. I thought that was a great gimmick to have, to have four different people play this character. Was, oh, that's right, because Antonio Banderas was, one, was the last he one. He was the probably. last one. Yeah. Antonio Banderas was the last one. And they do this wonderful thing where uh, they have the rednecks from the first film end up showing up because in the first film there were these rednecks who took it upon themselves to be Border Patrol, and they ended up killing anybody who came across into their land through the tunnels or whatnot. So in this one, he's as Antonio Banderas doing this wild voice that you do not expect to see come out of Antonio Banderas. Well, that's because uh, that wasn't his voice. Right, that I know. They, a, they, yeah. they ADR. But that's what I mean. It was just weird seeing that voice with him. And, uh, you know, he runs across the rednecks and they're like, he's like, oh, wait, no, I'm not Mexican. I'm from Canada. And they're like, oh, that's even worse. A Canadian Mexican. <laughs> uh, and it, it's, it does have a lot of great moments and a lot of great performances. I mean, Sophia... Uh, Vergara, I, I thought she was like, I really love her in this role. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was a fan of hers, you know, from, mm-hmm. from Modern Family. Uh, right. And then seeing her in this where she's completely unhinged. I was disappointed because, I mean, it's Rodriguez, so fine. 
but <laughs> he brought back the cock gun from from uh, dust till dawn, dust till dawn yeah. the giant boob machine guns which were you know lifted from austin powers i'm like i get it but there's just something she's such a great character that when she when her, she reveals her gimmick i'm like oh eh, okay <laughs> yeah yeah that's true but uh i still liked her performance overall she could and yeah. that's the thing and that's why i, I think that's what the, appeals to me a lot with this film too is you've got all these big bigger named stars especially at this point because the first one you had some big and then you got even a bigger cast of known folks in 2013 in this film and they're all committed to the gimmick you would think they would phone it in, but no one feels like they're really phoning it in at all for a film as wild as this that you're not used to seeing them in. You know, personally, I still I really liked Michelle Rodriguez in this one um, mm -hmm. as well. And, and, and that's the thing. There, there aren't the there aren't bad performances at all. But I could I could get where you, you it didn't quite appeal to you because it while the story is better than the first one it is still a bit wafer thin and there's a lot of a lot of moments in here that i think they were lost opportunities um that where they took a bit easier route with things um it didn't get it didn't get to top secret parody <laughs> well i mean i i almost but, I, I think it should have i think it should have been a top sure. secret style Mm -hmm. parody because it walks that line where it's not serious when i right. say serious i mean like grim and gritty but like it's not a traditional kind of an action movie right. and it's not a parody it's kind of both at the same time but it doesn't commit to either one so it's just kind of watered down um <laughs> but yeah i dude i i don't know if you caught it i'm mm. sure you did but in the climactic fight between michelle rodriguez and amber heard Michelle Rodriguez says uh, something like, when I dress, I dress to kill. I'm like, what movie did we talk about <laughs> earlier this month? Yes, yeah, I got that. <laughs> I got that quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, well, what's funny is there's a clip at the end during the credits because there's a fight. There's a fight between Rodriguez and uh, Amber Heard. Uh, this, this kind of wonderful fight between these two these two ladies and they don't reveal it in the trailer either but uh michelle rodriguez's uh, character uh, I, uh she um she <laughs> that that is what a lot of uh, luz luz is her name but she's also known as she um but in the first movie she lost her eye and so that's why she's got the eye patch now and, and looking badass but michelle rodriguez is always looking badass but she's like a badass here with the eye patch well then they do the gimmick to where she loses her other eye thanks to amber heard and they have this wonderful wonderful fight to where you know she's blind but she's still she's still kind of defending herself and just as amber heard is, is going to take advantage of this and, and do the kill shot michelle rodriguez slides on her knees and punches amber heard directly between the legs mm -hmm. <laughs> and it it Amber Heard folds over. It, it's great. It, it, it's actually a, a great moment in this movie, the way she quote-unquote sells it. Well, the reason she sells it, if I followed the cut that they used, she wasn't expecting Michelle Rodriguez to punch her in between the legs. Well, to, to be more precise about it, I mean, she laughs it off, which was well, yeah. another, it's like, 
I I like that that talking about split personalities. I, I yeah. like a version of Amber Heard because she's laughing it off, and she actually says, "You can't surprise pussy punch someone." <laughs> And you hear the crowd laugh, the crew laugh, but at the same time, they they sell it well. And, and I'm imagining that's the cut that they used in the film. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like like Tom Cruise broke his ankle doing some Mission Impossible stunt. And that's yeah. the one that they that's the take that they use. That's the take that they use. So, you know, and yeah, Amber heard it here, uh, you know. She looks a bit different in here, too. And, and you know, maybe this is before things took a turn south for her or whatnot in, in the personal life later on. But as far as on screen goes, yeah, her character is a wonderful character. Uh, it is interesting because you have all of these actresses in here and where they could just be there to be there. They actually show up a couple of times and actually serve a bit in the plot. They aren't just there to show up. I mean, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, Sophia's character is head of this brothel, but all these girls, the, the women uh, that that are in her brothel, are also badass and carry guns. And there's a shootout with them. <laughs> well, I mean, this is one of the things that that I did appreciate. I think a lot of the way we watch movies is the the times in which we watch them. Right. Yeah. I was stunned at how fucking sexy every woman in this movie was. <laughs> And how Robert Rodriguez put the he dialed the male gaze up to twelve, but he did it in such a way that you get the feeling that all the women were on board. Like, yes, show me, show everybody how great I look, how badass I am, and you know, you all want to sleep with everyone in this cast. <laughs> and, and I'll say, I'll extend that to be the female gaze because I, I imagine like anybody would want to sleep with. <laughs> you know, I know that sounds crude, but considering where we're at today, where everyone's got to be completely covered up and like dressed down and like, don't you don't you dare find me attractive. I didn't get into Hollywood to, to be objectified. You know, well, I mean, it, it's meant to be a grindhouse film. And, and so you're going to have that aesthetic. But at least they they are being badass and looking good while being badass. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's not just like, oh, they're they're in the background or they're just just there then you know gone like we talked about with uh when we talked about uh the um uh uh pacific inferno where we had the supposed leader of the rebels but she never really felt like leaders of the rebels we felt like she was specifically there for a reason only um, right and, <clears throat> and and in here it has a different you know it has a different feel for the characters, the way they're handled, even the, 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 the more supporting roles are the ones that don't get a lot of camera action. I mean, even our nurses, the twin nurses, which are in like in every, uh, Rodriguez film, uh, they, yeah, even, the Avalon twins, yeah, yeah. the Avalon twins, they, uh, you know, they take part in the battle at the end. It's not like these characters show up and then they're just gone. You get pretty much everybody at the end who's still alive fighting in the last, the epic final battle of sorts, uh, uh, shootout. And I liked that. Right. I liked how that was handled. I, you know, I thought that was done actually very well, uh, where it could have really been handled really poorly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this movie does a great, it, I think it threads that needle perfectly. It's not 
it's not exploitative in the it, you get the feeling that all of the all of the performers because because <clears throat> all the guys in this movie look great too yeah you know yeah walt goggins looks amazing <laughs> for the three minutes he's on screen mel gibson is dressed to the nines danny trejo is you know danny trejo Cuba Gooding Jr. looking good. I mean, yeah, and also, I mean, this is I think this might be one of my favorite performances of his because he's so like loose and he's a killer and just you know, just everybody gets a chance to shine. I like this movie a lot now because of the performances. Right. I think the script is still waver thin, but it's a great showcase for for weirdness and, and I really appreciate that. But everybody feels very powerful, very game, and I, I don't feel like you can make that argument of like, oh, this is it's sexist or this is male gazy um, in a bad way. It feels like these people put on a show to titillate and excite people through very powerful characters. Well, well it's and it, it's satirical. That's the whole thing. I mean, it's it's done in such a way to where everybody, you know, is looking good and whatnot. And they're doing that on purpose. Uh, in a way, I think as well. You know, I, I mean, given the material, I, I think it's it's like, yeah, we're gonna play it way up. For, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't think satirical is quite the right word. Or, it's it's playing into. I, I I'm struggling to find the satire. Almost implies that it's making fun of okay, certain genre conventions. That, yeah. I think if that were the case, it's not quite Austin Powers, even though they right. do have that the Sofia Vergara's you know, boob thing. It's like, as the movie goes along, it leans more into like this crazy science fiction. Like mm -hmm. you've got the rockets. Yes. That exists in the same universe as the boob machine guns. <laughs> but I think if it was really satirical, then Jessica Alba's character, when she showed up in the beginning, she would have like been in a bikini, like I'm yeah. a federal agent. Yeah, you that's know? true. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you, yeah, that's true. That's true. But it, it's, it's amplified. Let's put it that way. It's amplified. Yes. It, it's, it's turned up. They're like, yes, these films have these elements, we're going to go, ex we're turning it up to 11 with those elements. Maybe not so much making fun, but we're just like, we're really going to play <laughs> play it up. And you're right. Everybody, all the characters, male and female, everybody in here feels comfortable in the roles that they're playing in. You know, they're, they're into these characters. They're having fun. And that does come across on screen. Um, and... You know, it, it, you're right, though. It would be nice to have a, a bit more solid of a story. It's really got a very basic premise, but I think this time around and why I would rate it higher this time is because I noticed the performances more this time than in the first one. In the first one, it felt like they almost had to. While it was great, all the people in it felt like they had to be like this. And here, it feels like people want to be like <laughs> yeah that's that's a great way to put it um i that's the thing is like i'm still not a big fan of this movie but mm -hmm. i'm on the fence of whether or not i want to buy machete kills so i kind of feel like i want to own it <laughs> if anything i love seeing william sadler i always appreciate william sadler i think he's actually a really good fun actor to watch whatever role he's in. Usually I really appreciate it because he plays a lot of different characters. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was, he was the main villain in Die Hard 2. And then he goes from that to playing a hilarious version of the Reaper <laughs> in Bill oh, yeah. and Ted's bogus journey. And now he's played this just over the top redneck <laughs> in this film, you know, uh, don't like him 
I, I love William yeah. Sadler as an actor. Uh-huh. I, he was in the uh, the pilot for uh, Tales from the Crypt, the HBO show. Oh, yeah, 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 three, yeah. I think it was The Man Who Was Death. He yep, was great yep. in that. My issue, I think, here mm-hmm. is that he is playing a cartoon character. There's nothing more to his character than he's the redneck Arizona <laughs> sheriff. Well, he's... Every, like, just about everybody else mm-hmm. gets... They play a character that is even an archetype, but there's an extra dimension to them. Sure, there's sure. some like room mm-hmm. for performance. Here, he's just the the racist redneck jerk, yeah. and I was like, yeah, I, get him off screen. I, <laughs> I I like William Sadler, but I don't want to see him play something this easy. Sure, sure. I mean, he's still having fun with it, but yeah, it's it's. It's great too because they play up the angle of how Machete can't die. <laughs> there, he sells it well. Even if he is playing a caricature, there's this what the wonderful scene early on to where Machete, after the you know he saw his partner killed and he gets captured by the 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 sheriff, uh, law enforcement officer William Sadler's character, uh, Sheriff Dokes, um, to where he's doling out his own form of judgment on Machete. Uh, he's going to hang him, basically. In his office, he's going to hang him. And it's a, it, I love how this whole little scene plays out because they're ready. They're like, oh, we're going to hang him. Uh, you know, you, we, you've killed your partner, and I'm just going to pass judgment now. And he has his uh, uh, deputy kick the stool out from under Machete, and they first cut to the two-shot of them two staring, and then they cut back to Machete, who's just standing there staring at them. <laughs> And then, then the sheriff kind of moves to the other side of the room, and you just see the eyes of Trejo just moving. And it moves back, and he's like, huh. And the deputy's like, see, he can't be killed. And he's like, ah, he's just got a thick neck. And then the president calls. <laughs> and it's like... You see, that would work at a grindhouse trailer. Right. Because it's cartoony, it's weird, it's over the top. It, it like paints this legend of Machete. Right. But the, I, this is what I was getting to earlier. The movie is much more of a dumb action movie and not mm-hmm. so much a send-up. That I'm watching that, I'm like, yeah, he's, he can't be killed and whatever. It. I don't know. It's it. It's hard to put my finger on it, but it was almost like, too cartoony a bit to it's almost like if at the climax of die hard when everybody's like you know shooting at bruce willis if he all of a sudden turned around and started spitting bullets back at the bad guys like machine gun style like jim carrey in the mask it's that moment it doesn't belong there i don't think this belongs in that movie Mm -hmm. because because the rest of it doesn't really match up with that sure. i mean there is the bit where machete is swinging around on the the helicopter with the, the machete but again that's a great trailer moment for an over-the-top grandhouse picture but for this it's like all right yeah i love that scene he uses he's got this little grapple device folks that he uses it at one point he hits he shoots it so it attaches to a helicopter blade and he pulls his machete out so he could chop up the guys as they're approaching cutting their heads off i i loved it what okay maybe i i guess i'm i'm easy i guess i'm easy I no know, it's but... it's not that i th- i think it works i just don't think it again you got to commit are you going to make the wacky over the top sure grindhouse style send up mm-hmm. or are you going to make something that is more of a generic kind of realistic as the is not the word to use here <laughs> no but more no. of a pedestrian action movie mm-hmm. and i think this 
has more pedestrian action movie in it, despite the weird elements that, mm. you know, this needed to be for the neck thing to work for the helicopter thing to work. This needed to be Austin Powers, but with, you know, a Mexican federale mm. rather than Die Hard six, <laughs> except for the rocket at the end. <laughs> I love the rocket at the end. Well, he cut the blue wire. You always cut the blue wire. And so he cut mm -hmm. the blue wire because he, he rode the rocket, cut the blue wire. And... <laughs> I did get like I did have uh, like Jason and space flashbacks when he's presented with the machete that like you know you push the button and like the three, three machetes pop come out of the sides yeah <laughs> wow I love that yeah I love the futuristic machete or the other one that's a, a electrical charge you mm -hmm. know yeah and, and that's another thing there's there's a lot of those great scenes that I enjoy in this one where you get this to where you have Vox. Who says, yeah, I didn't kill you, Machete, because I need you. And then we turn out he's been making super soldier clones, but he wants Machete's DNA to make super soldier clones because uh, he's just so hard to kill in that. They're like, no, I need this guy's DNA. I don't need this other jabroni's DNA, you know. And so he tests uh, Machete in this hall of futuristic weapons. He's got his Machete and then he sends all these super soldiers at him, which, uh, of course... Our, our guy Machete, uh, uh, you know, dispatches them uh, in 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 fun ways. Uh, so you know, and Mel get, get Vox is up there at the top, and he's just like smiling. He's like, "Yeah, this is good." Yeah, I like that. Mo I, I I like that moment. And, and another problematic actor who's in this film, Mr. Mel Gibson, actually puts in a decent performance as Vox. I think um, hell of an actor. Um, you know. And it's funny because Walt Goggins was in this movie yeah. for a couple minutes earlier. He and Mel Gibson would go on to do a movie from like three, four years ago now called mm -hmm. Fat Man. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a, a great modern holiday action movie. Um, I don't. Did you ever see it? I have not seen Fat Man yet. I heard about it. I remember oh. it came out. A lot of people were talking about it. I just didn't get a chance to to see it. But the premise, real quick. Yeah. Uh, Mel Gibson plays a depressed Santa Claus and Walt Goggins plays a hitman who is hired by a 10 year old boy who hates Santa Claus. And so it becomes like Die Hard of the North Pole. Oh. It's <laughs> funny and it's great. It's it's what Machete should have been, frankly. <laughs> really? Wow. Yes. I have to I have to check that out. Uh, you know, you have. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I. I I, you, I I you're right. It it feels like it jumps between trying to be satirical, you know, parody like like Austin Powers of sorts, uh, but with a lot more blood, and then trying to be more of an action film. And uh, it, it jumps back and forth quite a bit on that on that line. Um, so I could see where that would be a bit distracting for for many. Uh, it, you know, I guess for me though, uh, especially watching a back to back. It'd be interesting to take what they did with the approach of the first one and the the good parts of this one to kind of mesh them together, and I think you really would have a, a, a wild film uh, that appeals to a lot more people. But you know, for me, I just yeah, I I I enjoyed the the action scenes, the the ridiculousness of the uh, uh, part. Was it the uh, the the one gun that he got to turn people inside out? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did like the bit where he shot it at the the people in the car, 
and or the, I mean, it was a cop car, yeah, and yeah. Then it, it melded their bodies together, so they all look like weird Transformers or something, stumbling around and mutated. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, and and I, I'm going to argue that if if we didn't have films like Machete and Machete Kills, you you might not have gotten because this type of formula. Watching it earlier too. I see the seeds and everything of what may have helped inspire films that would come later, such as Turbo Kid and uh, 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 Psycho, um, uh, the uh, Gorman. Psycho Gorman films, which take kind of that for you, but they go the way that it sounds like you would have liked Machete to even go more though, to where they just go, they just commit to the 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 homage parody type of angle completely and they aren't making a, a serious film so much and they just they lean more heavily into uh uh you know the um the tropes and such far more than what machete kills does well i haven't seen i know it's criminal but i haven't seen psycho Goreman yet i just haven't gotten around oh. to it i've heard great oh, things it's, it's um i've seen turbo kid once and i think it was a life-changing movie i love it <laughs> But I think there is a difference even than what you're talking about. They don't lean into tropes. They lean into the aesthetic. Or the aesthetic. And they use yeah. that to make a post-apocalyptic, weird, like, mm -hmm. BMX cyborg movie that, yeah, you've got Michael Ironside with an eye patch and, you know, there's all this. It's a very weird movie full of a lot of imagination, but it's got a lot of heart to it. Mm -hmm. So even when you're watching something that has a lot of violence and gore, sure. you're watching something that has a lot of heart and knows exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Unlike machete. I, I would like to think that, yeah, maybe the people who made that movie saw grindhouse mm -hmm. saw machete machete kills, maybe even hobo with a shotgun and said, I want to do this for the eighties because grindhouse is more of a seventies. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to do this for the movies that I loved as the eighties mm -hmm. and put it all in a blender, you know, the, the, the BMX bandits, but you've also got a bit of rainbow bright oh my God. and also Mad Max with tons of gore. But I'm going to, the challenge is to put it into a blender and make a movie where you care about the characters and you might even shed a tear right. of inspiration and or sadness at the end. And he pulled it off. Well, in regards to Turbo Kid, I've, I happened to get the steel book. I bought it. I'm not usually big on steel books, but there was a sale. I had to get it. Uh, I will I will stand on a hill and fight till till I'm blue in the face that Apple is one of the greatest characters to ever hit the cinema. It, mm -hmm. In general, just Apple, the performance of that character, is one of the coolest, endearing, wonderful characters ever committed to cinema and i will stand by that claim because i'll be i'll be on that hill with you <laughs> because flaming it, sword in hand <laughs> flaming sword in hand because apple and turbo kid was was wonderful and but yeah i think this helped sow the seeds a bit between these two films and the grindhouse films and you know uh that that trend got beat so much though after Quentin and Rodriguez did, you know, after they did the Grindhouse double feature, that that thing showed up. So it was like it was like the it became the new sword and sandal type film of the eighties <laughs> after Conan came out. Conan comes out, and suddenly all the indie and lower budget films, we gotta do a sword and sorcery type movie. We gotta do, you know, and, and it felt like the same way here. Once uh Grindhouse came out, the double feature. 
you saw it not just in the wide release with like machete kills and machete, but in the indie scenes, like you said, Ho- hobo with a shotgun. You had, you know, hell ride. You had, you had all of these other ones coming out with that aesthetic. They're like, oh, let's jump on this. But the problem was, so many people did it. It kind of beat it into the ground <laughs> to where you're like, here we go again. Well, it's also strange because Grindhouse was a notorious flop. Yeah, I, mean, I think right. it, I think it came out like on Good Friday, yeah. so it was like the big Easter <laughs> yeah, weekend release, and you're like, "What the yeah, hell?" Um, I, but maybe, maybe all these movies thought that the Rodriguez Tarantino duo would be unstoppable, so they like w- these movies went into production before they realized, "Oh, right. the thing we're base- putting all our eggs in the basket, the the basket's broken, the eggs are shattered." <laughs> um, I mean, not that I, I think there's anything wrong with it because I, I think it's. That aesthetic generally is cool. It's just mm-hmm. you know what you do with it that counts, I guess. Right. It's what you do with it. And what Machete Kills and Machete did with it, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those many films that you see where you're like, I'm actually watching this in a big theater. You know, I, in all honesty, I, I'm wondering if like Machete Kills or what I would have dumped to streaming if it was like made today, maybe. <laughs> Or just limited release. One of those two weeks you're in, you're like, boop, okay, streaming. Now, uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like almost like it would be kind of like Kevin Smith has done with his movies, does like a road show right. to like big yeah. cities, kind of takes around, gets maybe some of the stars. You can have like your VIP experience where you can like meet them. I feel like Rodriguez could have done something like that. Maybe who would have in this, right. this environment we're in right now. But yeah, I don't see this coming out today, and I don't. I don't even know if, how well it did in the theater when it when it was released. The sequel. I I'm not sure how it did either. Let's check the numbers if we can. Uh, let's check the Machete Kills box office because we have the internet at our. So um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's why they didn't. That's why they didn't make a uh, Machete Kills again in space. Uh oh. Uh, budget of twenty million. Had a budget okay. of twenty million. That probably mostly went to the stars. <coughs> Made seventeen point five million <laughs> in twenty thirteen. Now the reason you might think, well, why did they make Machete Kills then? That is because Machete made forty five million. And it had a uh, a, a budget of like uh, twenty million or ten point. You know, it depends on who you ask. It's one of those between ten and a half and twenty million, and it made double its money back. So that equals a sequel. Back in the day, that you know, and I could say back in the day because we're talking ten, fifteen years now. You know, and it's in movie years. That's like twice as long. It's like so much has happened between now and then, but. You know, if it if a movie made back its money, and Machete, uh, the first one was 2010, if it made back double its money, usually that would warrant a sequel if you could come up with something. That was usually kind of the guide back, you know, when I was a kid, for sure, that's the way it was. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the calculations get more complicated when you start looking at how much the theaters take right. as far as their cut, plus, you know, th- those figures rarely factor in marketing and, and all that business right. but i mean it's still it's a hefty you know it's 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 a good haul if you can make back double your money and especially considering it's based on a movie that didn't do well grindhouse <laughs> right um but i mean that's the thing is it's also robert rodriguez 
I don't know what he's I, I should I should know what he's up to lately, but I don't. Um, but earlier this year, I read his book, Rebel Without a Crew, which was the making yes. of El Mariachi. Yes. And have you ever read that? I have not. I've heard really good things about that book, though. And, and... it's I know I know you don't like take the time to read. And again, that's not a criticism. But um, I think if you were to pick that book up, it's essentially it's his diary. Sure. So it's not like a straight narrative. So it's really easy to get into, you know, brief chapters like you know, I did this today and that tomorrow, whatever. Fascinating story about how he made a movie for the Mexican home video market mm-hmm. as a calling card to be able to make, you know, actual like movie, if I yeah. can make this and sell it to a Mexican distributor, maybe they'll give me money to make something else. And then I can make something else that might get noticed by Hollywood mm-hmm. that low rent for the Mexican audience, you know, video audience movie he made was El Mariachi. Oh, so, so he good. goes so to fun. like two meetings and all of a sudden is, people are in a bidding war to release this movie. And he was like, this isn't even a real movie. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. But but it's that spirit that I can see. That's why I don't always agree with the I always like the movies he makes, but I love the way he makes them because it's that right. independent. He's got his own studio and sound stages. He's always innovating and trying to stay ahead of the technology and what you can do with film um, on crazy low budgets that it's kind of crazy to me that this machete kills was made as inexpensively as it was. Yeah. Well, especially for the star power. I mean, you look at this right. film and you, you look at the cast of this film. It is impressive that they made it for 20 million. It, it really, even for two, 20, even in 2013, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. They made this film for what it was, which, which tells you that the people involved in probably why I enjoy this one a lot because everybody's involved, they wanted to do this film. You know these actors were not getting their normal pay, probably, to be in this film. They probably took a bit of a cut just so that they could have fun and maybe play a character they may never get a chance to play again. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and I like that spirit. It, it's what you're saying. I, I really enjoy the spirit of, of both Machete films. Um and again, interesting that I actually enjoyed it. The second one kills more this time around than I did when I first watched it. Because uh, I looked at my review going, wow. First off, wow, look at how young I was. And then second <laughs> of all, I was like, oh, I didn't care for this one as much as the first one. Be- and I didn't look those up until after I watched Machete Kills. And I'm like, oh, I, I actually enjoy this more. Uh, but as far as Robert Rodriguez goes... You know, you're talking about a book to read. Um, well, he did actually do a TV series based off of that book. He produced it. So, you know, I might have to look that up. <laughs> he did. Well, Rebel what, Without a this, Crew. Was yeah. this on his El Rey network that yeah. he did years mm-hmm. ago? Okay. Because wow. he tried the El Rey network, which you do get a number of promos in the Machete Kills because it, uh, El Rey network was just around at that time. That's, uh, I think, one of the best things to come out of the El Rey network I really enjoyed I gotta still ever watch the second season is uh the From Dust Till Dawn series I actually enjoyed the series I at least the first season I didn't watch the second season but that was around the same time so you get a number of El Rey plugs <laughs> because why not it's his movie <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know, so. uh, and what he's been up to recently um he did another Spy Kids film 
that came out directly, I think, to Disney or Netflix, Spy Kids Armageddon. Uh, that came out, I think it was released, or maybe it wasn't released yet. But yeah, he did Spy Kids Armageddon to where uh, it's the kids of the characters from the first film who have grown up. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, and I like the Spy Kids movies actually i actually enjoyed enjoyed at least the first one or two i i actually got a kick out of i i thought the first one was a lot of fun it's kind of like james cameron and avatar we talked about this a bit the other day like robert rodriguez and james cameron can do whatever they want they're both insanely talented filmmakers Mm -hmm. but when i hear that uh robert rodriguez made spy kids four Disney Plus, it just makes me sad because I'm like, what? you could be out there shooting anything, like making action block, but let these franchises go. I'm sorry, nobody cares about them. They have zero cultural relevance anymore. Do something new. Well, well actually, uh, Spy Kids uh, Armageddon, which was for Netflix, uh, came out in September 22nd, was the fifth film. There was a fourth film in <laughs> Uh, Spy Kids Four, all the time in the world. Was oh, that's made. right. Okay, uh, I remember. I remember the title. Yeah, uh, you know the the last one I remember watching was Spy Kids Three, um, in three D. Ooh, three D. <laughs> because you know yeah. that trend again, just when three D was coming uh, back up again. But uh, yeah, he made this one. But yeah, he's he's making you know he's making films. He's got a number of them. Coming up, I think he's doing the Zorro film. Uh, let me pull that, that up. That could quick. be fun. I think he uh, upcoming. Yeah, he's doing. Apparently, still planning on Machete Kills in Space. It's listed as pre-production. Maybe the <laughs> Thanksgiving. Maybe it gave him a shot in the arm. I don't know. Uh, there's an untitled We Could Be Heroes sequel. Uh, Zorro and a hundred day, a hundred years. It's called. That's actually done. And 100 Years is the content of this film currently secret, but only will be revealed when the title is released in 2115. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's called 100 Years. It's got John Malkovich, uh, a hero girl, a bad guy, and it's... it's This has got to be written by John Malkovich, Robert Rodriguez... Uh, yeah. Oh, that's why they made the movie and they put it in a time capsule and set to open it in 2115. <laughs> so, so they made a movie called A Hundred Years and it's, it's, Put in a time capsule, but will not be open until the year twenty one fifteen. Mark, I take back what I said. I will forevermore mourn Robert Rodriguez, who tragically died immediately after filming Spy Kids two. <laughs> so yeah, apparently, but yeah, he's signed on to be the supposed the director of Zorro, which has been in development hell since uh, COVID. I remember they were talking it up before uh, the pandemic, and then it kind of fell by the wayside. Which, you know, there's an eerie trend now 
not only have films being pushed back further because of box office uh, of this past year, in fact, but you also have uh, films no longer being released that were highly promoted. One of the films just recently announced that is not being... There was uh, the Chris Pratt one, which was Wile E. Coyote versus Acme, which uh, is getting shopped around. Apparently, it's an animated uh, film with Wile E. Coyote or whatnot. Uh, and <clears throat> that they weren't going to release, but then they were like, okay, you could shop it around. Warner Brothers isn't going to put it out, but you, you could take it, maybe see if you could find a distributor for it. Weird. Yeah. And then just recently, like today, it was announced that this movie that I've seen multiple trailers for called Bike Riders, produced mm-hmm. by Disney, about uh, it's I, like the Hell's Angels or whatever, a motorcycle gang in California yeah. in the 70s, <clears throat> is no longer going to be released. What? Yeah. Disney Dude, is, Disney's not the... releasing it, but they might sh- let them do a, the thing that uh, Warner Brothers is doing and shop it around, but Disney apparently is choosing not to release the film. That is weird because... It is um, weird. Hold on a second. Um, I just... I Because at the Chicago International Film Festival, mm-hmm. which was like a month or so ago... That was like I think that was the closing night film or one of them. And Jeff Nichols, the director, like did the red carpet at the Music Box Theater and, and all this stuff, and is highly anticipated or whatever. But that's that's a bizarre. Yeah, I I just saw it, and uh, yeah, it's uh Disney removed the film from their release calendar less than two months before its release, and now it looks like uh according to a report, Disney is no longer set to distribute bike riders at all. According to the director. Well, I hate to say it, but it might make sense because <laughs> I mean, honestly, and I think it, especially in the wake of the Marvels, which had an 80 percent drop in week two. Yeah. Um, they're looking at everything. Yeah. And saying if this has no chance of making money, if the audience for this we're projecting isn't going to show up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're not going to show up at the box office, are they going to show up for streaming because it costs money to host there? You know, then we're just not going to put it out because all it is is doing throwing good money after bad. Because as we just mentioned, you make the movie and then you have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars to promote it. And it's like, why? No one's going to watch this shit. So maybe they'll maybe they'll sell it off to somebody who wants to put it out, you know, at their own expense. And maybe it'll be a big kind of like, um, oh, my gosh, what was that? uh, that movie that came out oh it's the one about the the child trafficking that was big oh yeah 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 the 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 big yeah i know which one you're talking about i forgot the name with jim caviezel yeah blanking on the name but yeah that was another i think that was actually a disney had optioned that film Mm -hmm. and then they'd made it and they decided not to do anything with it so this uh, angel studios bought it put it out it was a it was a monster hit but that's the gamble you take. That, yeah. um, that's really shocking about that Jeff Nichols picture. Wow. Yeah, that surprises me because it had that's some big names. Tom Hardy was in that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Austin and, Butler. And yeah. I, I was curious about it. I was like, okay, you know what? You kind of have my attention with the cast. And, you know, bringing it back around to where I was kind of going with this is. <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> it's a different. No, it's just a different landscape because we also have Thanksgiving, which we talked about as well. Uh, lower budget, didn't get a huge amount of 
uh, promotion, but it nearly made its budget back on its opening weekend for, you know, nowadays, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, Machete Kills, why did they make Machete Kills? Well, because Machete made twice its budget back, you, you know, which wasn't huge numbers, but it was enough money. It showed that there was an audience out there for it. And Machete, was that was based off of one of the three fake trailers you saw during Grindhouse, the other one Thanksgiving, and the other one was She-Wolf of the SS, which uh, was going to be Rob Zombie, was talking about at one time doing that one, but he never. I don't think he ever did get to it yet. But Yeah, because that would be an impossible movie to release. I mean, if you're calling it She-Wolf of the SS, I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but I mean, it's... I think one of the interesting lessons that we might learn, even though the creator, you know, Gareth Edwards film yeah. came out and was a big flop. Um, I think one of the lessons was that he made that, what is it? 86 million. Mm -hmm. If it was even that much, if it was that much, yeah, it's still a lot of money, but it's not nearly, it's a fraction of what these other blockbusters are costing. Right. So I could very much see studios saying, look, it's about the story. It's about the cast, mm -hmm. the premise. We could make a sci-fi epic. We just got to find a hungry, talented director and say here's 20 million dollars go can you right. make a hundred million dollar looking movie or a quarter billion dollar looking movie on 20 but 20 million with mm -hmm. you and your friends you know you want it you're hungry you want to make a name for yourself there's gonna be teams of people out there saying yes and we can have another 1970s you know renaissance with the next <laughs> coppola the next spielberg yeah. the next lucas mm -hmm. it's possible because as with that time period the studios are falling apart yeah, and I mean, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, and, and that kind of reflects back to even with Machete and Machete Kills. If you look at these films, they're actually done fairly well for the budget they're on. You, you, yes. you, you look at Machete Kills, you go, they made that for $20 million? Based on films we've seen of similar quality today, and they had $80, $100 million budgets, and here they made this film with this cast 10 years ago, with what's considered, you know, the catering bill for some movies. <laughs> right. Whereas you get the feeling that, you know, Robert Rodriguez probably said, hey, Sofia Vergara, come out to my ranch. We'll do some, you know, a if couple of days yeah. of shooting and my wife will make you an amazing dinner. <laughs> <laughs> no frills hotel. You're not going to get a trailer. You can stay in my yeah. guest bedroom, but, you know, yeah. we're going to do this. And it'll be fun. You know, and so. Uh, well, I appreciate that you, you enjoyed the film more this time than previous, that you still didn't like it. Sorry, uh, you didn't still quite care for it, Ian. But Mark, I'm going to um, buy it. I, I, this yeah. conversation has turned me around. I'm going to seek it out and buy it on physical media. <laughs> I, think, I think it's one, because I've watched Machete Kills a number of times, and I've watched Machete a number of times. And if we're going to set the Wayback Machine, I have my Blu-ray of Machete that I bought and digital copy. Now, folks... This is 2010. So you know what they mean by digital copy? They mean <laughs> digital copy to put where it, you get this the disc, disc in your computer. <laughs> you get the disc where you put this in your computer and you get a registration number. And when you put it in your computer, you put the registration number in, and then you can choose iTunes or Microsoft Media Player format. <laughs> and it will download the digital copy for you to watch at your convenience <laughs> on your computer. <laughs> and it's got blue Blu-ray live. So the extras you could act if your Blu-ray player is connected to the internet's hall, you could actually get extra stuff. 
only through the network by owning this. Di- that that used to be digital, folks. That's what they said digital. Ca- and there's even instructions. There's like a little in tutorial at the beginning of this disc that goes, hey, you get a digital copy of this film. Here's what you do. And they show people all happy sticking the disc in, and now they can play it whatever they want. <laughs> it's like wow. it, what I love about that is I'm sitting here going, you can play it whatever you want. I've got a Blu-ray player in my computer and I use the disc to put the copy of the film on the laptop, but I have the disc I could put into the laptop and play it. <laughs> but Mark, you're living in the future. That's, that's I know. I, I'm have. thinking I'm thinking backwards, <laughs> right? So So there you have it, folks. Machete kills. Uh I think there's a lot of fun to be have. I, I, I enjoyed it more this time. I appreciate it a lot more. I think from when it first came out because we've had so much more of films like this come out that it's it's fun to kind of look back at an earlier film you know the, the, this type of extreme I, I say extreme genre extreme i should say not an extreme genre but a genre extreme film to where it's taking that genre and it's like amping it up everything about that type of genre that the film is supposed to be um and yeah, I, I I like it, and I, I'm a I'm a Danny Trejo stand, so I'll watch any. I've got movies to where he literally shows up for like three minutes in the movie, and I've bought the movie because he's in it for like three minutes. <laughs> he's literally on the cover of the DVD or Blu-ray, and he's there for less than like ten minutes total. <laughs> I wonder if in the indie scene, if he's in a lot of like three minute cameos, if he's known as Danny Trace Ho. Oh, nice, nice, nice. All I know is that if I do ever make it out to California, one of the many things that I want to do is go to his restaurant because uh, I've heard so many wonderful things about it. And uh, yeah, and I've always appreciated him. He's he's again one of those guys to where i will if his name's in the movie even if i know it's going to be for a smaller part i will watch the movie because that's how much i really just enjoy him and seeing him on 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 screen you know yeah uh he's just one of those those actors for me so so thank you so much for listening folks yes this is a perfect 10 film uh special but Next next month is our last month, and so we've got Oculus and the Carrie remake. So do you want to flip a coin? We could try to do both. Uh, I, I, I've got to decide a bit. I, I, maybe I, let's see if I have a coin. I don't know if I've got a coin here at all. Uh, let me see. Uh, nope, that's doesn't not different on either side. So um, I didn't bring up the wheel of random because there's only two choices. So... So maybe, uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, figure, I'll figure it out. I've got the uh, the lens cap to my camera. Does that count? The <laughs> lens cap to your camera. Oh, you know what? I Here we go. I've got, and we're not sponsored at any way, folks, Point Premium Root Beer can opener. Okay. here Here is Point, and here is, you know. Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Okay. So we're going to flip this, and if it lands on the uh, Point, Root beer will do Oculus. If it lands this face up, we will do carry remake. And I will base the December theme off of that. Look at your eyes. You're like, I don't want to do either one of them. But I I would rather watch carry, but All right. it comes okay. down to it. So so carry Oculus. So let's 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 see what we get. 
Hey, look at that. You got Carrie. <laughs> maybe I'll do Oculus as a special bonus Patreon episode. We'll do. We'll figure that out, maybe. Uh, it, it is by Michael Flanagan. I really enjoy Michael Flanagan. And I know uh, uh, our friend Derek Carey really enjoys Michael Flanagan. So maybe I'll... We'll, we'll, we'll do a Patreon episode, a special bonus one for the holidays on it or something for Oculus. But that said, folks, uh, I will wrap it up here. I know we're going a little late, but just prepare yourself. We do these. I didn't plan on it, but this is like our eighth or ninth year doing these special series. I think it's almost our ninth year now doing a special series where it's our monthly uh, special episode with a, a carryover theme. And... Next year is going to be films that are PC. No, no, not politically correct. Pre-code. Yes, we are setting the Wayback Machine, and we are going to cover 12. I did the count this time. It's only 12. Uh, <laughs> 12 pre-code films that we're going to cover, and, and I'm going to look at them and we'll discuss you know, what we like, what we don't, just visiting them like, like any other film, but... They're pre-code films, so it, it'll be exciting to see what they have. And these are going to be films, a lot of them will probably will have a lot of history behind them. So I'm going to try to dig up some of the stuff on that, you know. Uh, and it'll surprise you, I think, some of those classics, just which ones fell into pre-code, <laughs> actually. Uh, there's, there's more of them than you might think. So, yes, next year's special will be uh, rated PC for pre-code that's our special next year. So uh, thank you so much for everyone for listening. And now, as always, a hashtag license to shill to my good friend here, Mr. Ian Simmons. Please, sir, shill away. Well, thank you. Um, I'm Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. And also on YouTube, if you look up Kicking the Seat on YouTube, I'll be there. We do um, weekly movie reviews, interviews, lots of live streams. Um, this week, we're going to be doing a live stream on Wednesday night about Thanksgiving. Now, you might be wondering, wait, didn't you, Mark, talk about Thanksgiving? Yes, we did for the Patreon for, for uh, Special Mark Productions and Spoiler Room. But we're going to be talking about it again on the Kicking the Seat channel. And, and Mark, uh, hopefully, will be able to join me for that. We've got uh, a few other folks. So, um Thanksgiving is a movie that I don't know that I can talk about enough. It's so great. Um, so it'll be fun to, to dive back in for, for a second helping of goodness. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, otherwise I'm here on Monday nights talking about awesome movies and movies that I didn't think were awesome, but I've come to appreciate like Machete Kills. Well, I appreciate you coming back for more, even if you don't quite care for the film, but I'm very excited about next week's film. We're going to be ending our Killing It month with a cult classic. And I can actually say it's a cult classic. It's not a film that says, oh, we're going to be the next cult classic. <laughs> no, this is a cult fat classic. Next week, we are going to cover the film Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. And if you're not familiar with the film, you're definitely going to want to turn in because, Ian, have you seen Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill? No, this is going to be one of my big checkboxes. I've heard about it all my life, and I've never watched it. <laughs> I will be that. That makes me even more excited for next week because I've watched this film a number of times, and so Ooh. I will be very curious on your take of this film. So yeah, that's our next week, and then I'll come up with a theme. Go to specialartproductions.com. Keep an eye out for the theme for December that I will wrap around the Carrie remake. 
And also check out uh, my interview that I did recently with the director of a new horror film out called Pig Killer. Uh, it's based off of a real-life serial killer, and it was a fun conversation with... Uh, 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 his name escapes me. I, I suffer from old people syndrome, and I'm only 40, <laughs> 48, and it's already... Uh, but we had a fun discussion, and it was interesting to see just how much he didn't have to embellish. Uh, Pig Killer... Yeah, Pig Killer, it should be out now as of this recording. Chad Farron. Uh, he wrote and directed this. It's based off a real-life serial killer in Canada that was discovered. Yes, Canada actually has some mean people as well. Uh, <laughs> and it was a fun conversation because we talked about doing a film, a slasher film, based off of a real-life serial killer, but how much he didn't have to embellish. He just put in the film because it was in real life was wild to find out because I was like, wait, what? That was... No, that was real. So check that interview out. Uh, check out all our stuff at Special Mark Productions if you're so inclined after you check out Kicking the Seat. And yeah, looking forward to next week for Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. And uh, thank you so much. And now until next time, we'll just say good night, everyone. <laughs> good night. Hey everyone, looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then head on over to patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions where you can get access to even more wonderful podcast content. Hear the conversation that happens before the live broadcast. You can also get access to an exclusive VIP episode that you vote on that's especially for you or get early access to all our videos on YouTube plus more. So check it out there, folks. And the more you do there, the more we can do here. And remember, with the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.